Hello, and welcome to Rep3 Screenings, episode 64! Blaz Pross, I don't know, 64's got nothing. I don't know, Z-Buffering. Uh, I'm your host, M, with me, I'm your host, Jackson. Hello, we're on the Nintendo 64. And, and Destiny. Hello! And we're here to talk about movies, not 64 video games. It's a Nintendo 64! Yeah, that's how I feel when I think about the Nintendo 64. <laughs> it's not actually true, but it does have one of the best games that are made on it. So, you know. Uh, I think about that video a lot. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I I wish I could be... I remember getting a 64. I was not as excited as that kid when I got a 64. But I was older than that child was, so... You just wish you could feel the joy that that child feels at receiving an I, I think that's kind of how I reacted when I got my SNES, but by the 64 time, I was Over it. old and jaded, yeah. <laughs> Wait, well, thank you for getting the new console. Yeah, thank you, Papa, for the new console. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can now stay up to date and play the latest games. Yeah, we can play. About video games on this. Right, fine, whatever. Uh, Destiny, then, who's seen a fucking movie? Go. I saw Scream, Scream 5. I'm calling it Scream 5. Scream 5. I liked it. I'm going to talk about it in depth on Badland Girls. So, uh, did you want to talk about it? I, I saw another movie I could talk about. So I, I also saw Scream 5. I thought it was kind of mid, but mostly I'm mad because it reminded me. Because it, it's like about the requel, which is like the soft reboot that's still in continuity with something. So it's like a reboot and a sequel, usually has legacy characters, blah, blah, blah. And by doing that, it just evokes the fucking new Halloween trilogy, which I fucking hate. Oh, it just makes it's, me so mad. I hate those not, movies so much. It's not Halloween. It's a different thing. <laughs> I know, but they, they literally name drop the new Halloween movies. I know. They name drop the new Nightmare on Elm Street, and that movie is also trash. But that doesn't That's also not a requel at all. I, I think they just talk about it as being bad. I don't know. I don't um, remember now. Yeah, there's also this weird conversation about like elevated horror versus normal franchise horror. That movie that I think is just like totally cringe and terrible. Oh, that was stupid. I'll agree <laughs> with you on that. That was very dumb. But I did um, like the one liner about the Baba Duke. The part where there's just some kids getting stabbed, I think, is totally fine. Um, I wish it wasn't trying so hard to be like clever. I'm like, you're not, you're not Wes Craven. You just can't. Please stop. He's or dead. Kevin Williamson. So, um. You know, there were choices made in that movie, I think, also. There's one particular choice I think is really bad and I'm really annoyed about, so I don't want to talk about it. I go back and forth on it. It makes me really mad that it it happened. I think it's bad that it happened, and then they literally go, they literally go, we have to do this because of these storytelling reasons. I think those storytelling reasons are bad and wrong. Um, Okay. All right. See, I I almost thought it was earned, but then I was like, but I, ooh, okay, we'll talk about it on Battling Girls, so go listen to my other podcast, (laughs) and and me and Rhea are going to fight it out because she hated the movie um i didn't hate it i thought it was fine um but it was like a solid like three stars i guess what else did i watch i watched uh, a david lean movie from 1945 called brief encounter with um trevor howard who is in the third man okay uh he wasn't joseph cotton or orson welles he was the third man. Shut the fuck up. Okay. <laughs> ending this goddamn podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do you have any really more thoughts? Did you, derail, did you derail that one by stumbling into that fucking joke? Man? <laughs> no, I've got more. 
Um, it was a very uh staid, like beautiful British movie about this married uh excuse me, this married woman who falls in love with this doctor who is also married and the affair is doomed and there's Rachmaninoff? I can't say his name. Uh, Just lots of that. Lots of trains. Lots of women crying. and It it was just very British and very 40s and I really enjoyed it. A good romance. I'm not usually like, ooh, romances! But this one got me. Okay. Uh, uh, anything else? Oh, nope, that was it for me. It's not it for you because you and me watched Merrily We Go to Hell. Oh, yeah! I talked about that on another podcast, so I forgot I didn't talk about it um, here. Which is a 1932 Dorothy Arzner film uh, on Criterion because of their pre-code uh, selection, which is about a heiress who falls in love with this fucking drunken newspaper guy and just tries to get him to, like, dry out and write plays because that's what he really wants to do and the minute he does that successfully he falls back for his ex and back into a bottle and um it's a disaster uh it's it was it was solid but it was mostly just like 80 minutes of like wishing this woman would get over this horrible man and uh she does not (laughs) she does not in fact get over this horrible man (laughs) he in (laughs) fact steps up and gets better but god just fucking dump his ass right throw the whole man away yes um, but you know, it was good. I didn't see, I haven't seen very many pre-code movies. It's nice to just have a movie that talks about like fucking and drinking and stuff. Yeah. It still had a weirdly moralistic ending, but yeah, <laughs> you know, it was the thirties. Uh, it does just talk about pregnancy and then, uh, and like abortion and stuff in ways that you're not, you know, expecting me when a movie in the 30s talks about fucking and drinking and stuff let's go me when a movie today talks about fucking drinking stuff shut up you'll cringe that's <laughs> 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 true it's true jackson have you watched any movies i've watched the killer uh oh right the, Damn. the john woo movie from 1989 i believe sure um yeah uh that movie's pretty goddamn sick <laughs> Um, I love it when a guy shoots a bunch. Suddenly, I'm like, I've talked about this in the podcast already. Was it the last one of these podcasts? No, this was after Excalibur, I so I, I genuinely don't remember. <laughs> I'm okay. like, hang on. I use I use the diary function on Letterboxd to know the answer to this. So uh, I watched this. I also feel like I talked to you, but I just talked to you a lot, so, you know. I watched this last Saturday, so I assume this is the evening after we finished Reptrace Green, so I guess I haven't talked okay. about it here. Uh, but if I have that, unless it was the morning before we did Reptrace greetings, dear God, <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't done Reptrace greetings on Sunday in years. Oh, Sunday! I thought you said Saturday. Well, no, it it, it was on Saturday. Yeah, but you've been up early, so you might have watched it before we recorded. Oh, ooh. Mm. No, I watched it then went to bed. I watched it in the evening. Anyway, okay. uh, the killer's great. <laughs> stupid, stupid <laughs> podcast segment. Everyone's going to be like, you talked to the killer last time, and none of us know. <laughs> it's such a good, normal movie. Um, I had a good time with it. Uh, I, you know, and Now you can watch Hard World and be like, man, it insists upon itself. There's a bit of insisting upon itself in the killer. Uh, but mostly okay. it's well, just... Hardboiled's even more about that. I'm confused because I, when I was on Ornate Stairwells, Autumn had watched The Killer. So, I just have been imbued with The Killer. I just know I've been on a podcast and I've talked about, like, The Blind Girl, 
before, and I'm like, where was what the when the fuck was that? Was that on VoIP? Was that VoIP life? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, if if you pay ten dollars, please enjoy me getting confused for the second time. <laughs> <laughs> but that was my memory. Is like some of like thematic stuff's a little pad and kind of awkward i don't find it like profound uh but i do love it when there are sad guys in suits uh and one's a cop and one's a killer and they uh find the truth of things in in their own struggle that's fucking good what if what if i told you cops were killers uh, yes no i mean even the killer 1999 gets there <laughs> don't worry okay, good uh that's that's basically there but there's like a kind of some awkward stuff around the uh like symbolism of the perfect woman who's blind um there's a little <laughs> cringy <laughs> like i like get the symbolism but mad uh oh, oh goodness but uh now it's good now it's good as face off i i remember not liking face off but i watched it I over a decade ago it. so i can't i can't tell for sure i i would be shocked if i like this less than face off uh no 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 i they're so different but they are my two favorite of his movies <laughs> Uh, I, neither of them are my favorite John Woo movie. Well, I haven't watched your favorite John Woo movie. No. Uh, you want to tell the audience what your favorite John Woo movie is? It's Red Cliff. <laughs> yeah, the, I have not watched Red Cliff. I have four hours. It's fucking good. It's so fucking good. You can watch yeah, it over well, two days. I have the Blu-ray. I just haven't done it yet. Watch it. That's nah, fine. I have so much I haven't watched. Uh, this cover of Hard Boiled on Letterboxd appears to have him holding a shotgun in one hand and a baby in the other. What the fuck is that movie? There's a baby. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess I need to, I need to watch Hard Boiled at some point then. Yeah. Uh, okay. I guess we'll get into it then. Uh, our movie this week is The Lady from Shanghai. Uh, Written and directed by Orson Welles. Uh, uncredited screenplay credits with William Castle, Charles Letterer, and Fletcher Markle. Uh, this came out in 1947 in France. 1948 in the U.S. Um, stars Rita Hayworth, Orson Welles, Everett Sloan, Glenn Anders, Ted DeCorsia. Jackson, what happens in this movie? God damn it. Uh, you know, this is actually probably fairly doable. Um, uh, Orson Welles plays Michael O'Hara. Uh, that who is like a a rough and tumble seaman. Um, that is seaman, the man who works in the sea. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I wasn't even going to say anything, and you had to be immature about it. Yeah, I, I just it. know the audience was saying, like, they do us a lot in this movie. He's he's just a seaman. We get over it. Um, so uh, he runs into Elsa uh, in the park one night and like saves her from some hooligans and she is a beautiful femme fatale uh, noir woman and he's like she's a beautiful femme fatale noir woman that's probably bad for me I'm just imagining this now with uh, uh, Jerry Lewis as (laughs) Michael Hera. Ooh, beautiful lady. (laughs) Basically, what happened? Her extremely evil husband, like, is sent out to uh, get him to um, like work on the boat uh, because she wants him around. And there's like tension there, and he's like, "Oh, I'm not gonna do it." And then he then he does it, and he's like pining after her while in the shadow of this like r- ridiculous rich man who's like super overbearing and evil, but also like kind of knows and like plays with the fact that they're clearly got a crush on each other because he's like a you know rich guy with a trophy wife and understands his position. It's tense. It's awkward. Uh, the plot he does get mixed up on is that guy's partner um, 
Grisby, the 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 main character, uh, the uh, the main husband's called Bannister. His partner's called Grisby. They work on a law firm. Uh, it's like okay. You need to confess to my murder, but I'm not going to die, so they can't convict you because I I need a fake murder. I want to fake my death and run away because I'm scared of all the nuclear bombs. Um, but uh, he, there were plans within plans. He was trying to do something else, but kind of went a bit crazy. He killed, killed like an undercover uh, divorce attorney who was following them the whole time. Um, he goes to uh, Bannister's office to kill him, but then he ends up dead. And so now the like the fake murder confession is a real murder confession. And Orson Welles is in court, uh, being defended by the guy who is very clearly set up to be uh, the actual killer. Um, and that's the tension it plays with in a frankly ridiculous courtroom sequence that occurs for the last twenty minutes of this movie. Uh, <laughs> Awesome Wells breaks out like in, in a whole fit of chaos, runs away um, before the verdict can be read and reveals that he knows who the killer is. And it wasn't uh, it wasn't Barristan at all. It was you. It was Elsa. You were you have been setting up me to be the full guy this whole time. And they meet in the famous Halls of Mirror scene at the end when he, she like takes him away from the cops so she can dispose of the evidence in private. Her husband shows up. Uh, they both shoot each other. And Awesome Wells somehow survives and is feeling a little awkward about this as he walks away <laughs> going, well, that happened. Um, the real Alex he's, gets he's, on the plane ending if I ever saw one. He's going he's gonna to walk all the way to Mexico and become Touch of Evil Orson Welles. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's kind of the plot of the movie. Uh, I went and looked at the part with him famously, I guess. I didn't know before watching, but this is one where like, it got cut to shreds. Uh, in yes. the editing room, you you can kind of tell there's like some awkward voiceover early on that kind of goes away in the back stretch and uh, yeah, some Hall of Mirrors sequence supposed to be twenty minutes long or whatever. <sighs> can you even imagine the things we were denied? <laughs> it just would have it just have been like uh, Tokyo Drifter, basically. Drifter. I mean, yeah. I'm already watching this because I've seen countless parodies of the Hall of Mirrors sequence, so I'm like, I, yeah. I know what to expect. And no, it's like ten times better than any reference. Holy shit! <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's just a damn good movie. Uh, if movies looked like this, I would watch them more. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, fair enough, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, no, this one was famously edited, and the, the scores are placed, blah, 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 all sorts of shit. Um, still one of the best movies ever made. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you, you know? going to do? Awesome Wells, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was like, that's a fucking um, classic. I didn't realize it had been, like, gutted. Yep. Um, yeah, it's weird because, like, the, I'd seen this before. Uh, watched Dusty had, had me watch it like eight years ago, something like that. Um, and really liked it then. Um, the thing I'd forgotten is the part where uh, Grisby's whole deal is about this like looming paranoia over like nuclear destruction, which like everyone kind of see, feels like they're like all the rich people are just like the, the world's ending. We're just, we're just hanging out doing the best we can because it's all going up in flames, bro. Um, in a way that's really interesting. Cause like that trickles into noir broadly, but like, I think of like the fifties more like kiss me deadly is about nuclear Armageddon in the, in like the context of a noir movie. Um, and I think of that stuff as like happening a decade later. And it's really weird to see it in this movie be like the driving force of this sort of like new hedonistic ennui. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does mean you just go to a bunch of resorts and have terrible picnics nobody wants to be on. Oh, the, God. The Geraldo picnics, as you yes. called it, which yes. made me laugh so hard. 
They do basically have the Fitzgerald of picnics. It sucks. It cracks me up. That was like M just turned me to this is the Fitzcarraldo of picnics. And well, I was they, like, they're, like, they're like, let's go on a picnic, and they take like ten people to haul all of their shit up a mountain in the middle of like the tropics to go have a fucking picnic on a hill, and no one's happy. No one wants to do this, but they're going to do it because they can. The part where they're like, let's have a picnic, and then that is like. People like multiple stations around the lake of people lounging with fire. I'm like, whoa! This is a picnic for this guy. Uh, the um, other barrister is a great, ridiculous rich man. He is yes. so evil. Yes. Yeah, he um, he's like a character who's on crutches. I assume it's implied that he's got polio. They don't say, do they? I don't think they never say. They never say. But you know, you get the, the yeah. whole, Oh, he's impotent, and you know. Yeah, but but he's like the person who, because of that, is like overdeveloped sense of like, with my wealth, I can buy anything that I can't do physically. I don't need to be like a brute like this man. Um, Mm -hmm. Very silly. Uh, He's ridiculous. And then his uh, Grisby, his like cohort is just the sweatiest man in the world. (laughs) He's always drunk. Yes. He's always giggling about something. Yes. (laughs) I feel like everyone in this movie is always like drunk. Like everyone is drinking all the time. It's like no wonder all these people died of liver cancer. <laughs> right. Yeah, they are uh, absolutely like that. Oh god, Crispy's so ridiculous. She's like, just tell him you did some target practice. <laughs> target practice. <laughs> <laughs> Which then like rel- like builds up to a gag row and he's like running away and it's all tense and having he just says, I was just doing some target practice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like literally cracking up laughing because um, I know Orson Welles also think that's funny. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, it's so goofy. And then like hanging this off of like Orson himself doing a ridiculous Irish accent, but otherwise playing it mostly straight as he just kind of stands around and lets people yell at him. Oh, the accent's so funny. Um, Especially the like the dissonance between the accent that he's doing on set and the accent he's doing in the booth. Uh, for the voice of a second, yes. where he's ten times more Irish. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and then Rita Hayworth's just here to be Rita Hayworth. Famously stripped of her famous red hair for, yep. for this role specifically. Uh, married to Orson Welles at the time, I believe. Yeah, this is right before they broke up. Yep. Uh, I prefer the red hair. There's... Well, yeah, but I love that he was like, no, we're not doing that. Something yeah. new. Mm-hmm. The balls. <laughs> Every time I watch an Orson Welles movie, that's what I'm thinking. The balls. <laughs> uh, fair enough. I his character in this is so funny because it's like he killed a man, but it was like during the war, so no one cares but him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it didn't count because he's like, oh, I killed a man. Did you know that? And then so I was like, oh, I heard you killed someone. He's like, well. I, I guess I killed him. Uh, it was he was like a a, a Franco spy. Yeah, during the it's like oh the, it was a war it was war. Oh, it's not murder. Oh, okay. It was so war. Just That's it, like murder. everyone else because this is a movie in the late forties. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like no, it oh, weighed heavily oh, on my soul. <laughs> <laughs> These lawyers just struggling it off. Yeah, I mean those lawyers probably. I mean maybe not maybe probably not Bannister, but like everyone else also fought in the war. That's true. Yeah, like when he when he realizes it was in war, he basically like, oh yeah, okay. I mean, everyone's done that. It's nineteen forty seven. 
I mean, <laughs> this could this could very easily just be like a, I, I don't know. It's not about this, but like the European attitude of what the World War Two like experience was versus the American attitude, where we just rolled at the end and won. Yes. <laughs> Don't say that around. Like, oh, the, the deep, the deep scars of the world war, and everyone's like, "Nah, whatever. We all did it. <laughs> we all did some war. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Get your war on. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um. Yes, they also uh, everyone. What is it? Like, they all call him Black Irish or whatever. In like the weird like hall he hangs out in. <laughs> yes. Like, oh yeah, you want Black Irish? Everyone immediately turns him over to this rich guy who comes asking. Don't do that. That's rude. Um, well, oh, what is he doing when he's because he's like typing? I don't know. I was like, "Are you a newspaper man?" No, you're not a newspaper. I don't know what your job is. Like, what the fuck is he doing in that room when Bazza comes in? He's typing yeah. a letter or something, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. But it's just weird. It doesn't really get addressed. He's I'm... like, he's waiting in the hall for a job, and I guess mm-hmm. I assume there's just stations where you can write letters because they travel a lot. Yeah, yeah I guess. Presumably. But the, he's introduced the way that every newspaper man in a noir movie is introduced yes. like, throughout history, so it's just <laughs> disorienting. It is a little weird. One of my favorite things about this movie is it's set in San Francisco, and it shows the diversity of the city in this really like non-yucky way. I mean, yeah, it's like it's like definitely like full of like exoticism, it's of its time. but it's four forty-seven, yeah, yeah. Um, it is like, yeah, it's San Francisco. There's like a bunch of Chinese people here, and we're going to have them in the movie. They're going to be speaking Chinese and English. Um, you know, people who are native are just going to be able to do both languages. We're going to go to Chinatown. Um, it's interesting. That, that's just cool. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Because uh, like that stuff, plus like the like picnic stuff, is like these rich people just kind of l- l- drift through other people's like cities right like they go to the, the resorts and it's like you know um where are they when they go to those resorts but like they're just going through the people who live on these islands right they're, they're like, in you mexico know, i believe yeah you you serve us and we do this stuff and then they go here and she like when she's like chasing after him she's running on chinatown like speaking like chinese these people like she just comes here because she's rich she can do whatever she wants oh uh, yeah she was born in china too yeah right 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 yes. yeah <laughs> yes. but that's like one of the, right, like, the main thrusts of the film to me is the way like because um michael's also uh like well-traveled b- because of his job right like he works on boats he goes to loads of places um and the different like sense of what it means to be a poor person working in everywhere to be a rich person yes. traveling everywhere uh is really precise there's a really fantastic scene like where after um Bannister just makes a uh, real evil scene, being like, "Haha, she works for me because I pay her salary." <laughs> Boy, see, it's basically what he's doing. <laughs> um, yes, uh, and then uh, you know, someone just goes below deck and just starts talking to her. And he's like, "Why do you put up with that?" And he's like, "Well, I I need the fucking money. You got a way out, bitch." Um, <laughs> yeah, I do have kids. He's right. All that stuff was true. Also, uh, that poor that poor white girl needs rescuing, and you're not doing it yet. So I gotta. Yep. Uh, I was yeah no the thing the the voyage goes from New York through to San Francisco via the Panama Canal so they're sailing all the way down to Central America. Yes. Oh okay. So that's quite a trip. <laughs> it's a pretty long trip. It's, it's a ridiculous. Yeah. I get like it's a ridiculous way to get from um, New York to San Francisco in the forties. Yes. <laughs> 
like uh, it ends up feeling not older than it is i'm more saying like it, it ends up really highlighting the ways in which america is like young and colonized right mm-hmm. um yeah. because the idea of like traveling to the west and then the, like the urban cities give way lay to more uh spacious and just different environments is usually just like that's the focus of the movie this is such a different context like that was still true in the 40s it's still kind of true now um like that's just what america is is like a country the movie starts with him literally like using a horse-drawn carriage in central park yes like like to evoke like you know horse travel and then they use a boat and then you get to san francisco and san francisco is like a town that like they've got cars and they've got street cars it's san francisco Mm -hmm. Like, it, that just looks like L.A. Noir to me when they end up in San Francisco. Yes, it really does. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, the, the, the sense of, like, the different technologies and the, like, ways in which America exists in, uh, you know, the uh, 20th century uh, is, mm-hmm. is really good. I think it comes across really well. Um, and it's kind of like a, like a, you know, intentional part of the movie because of the journey they go on. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's great. Uh, but yeah, I, I mostly, uh, I mostly just love this. What a great film! Mm-hmm. The, oh, I looked up. I always look up when they say in the movie, um, "Grisby promises Michael five thousand dollars to uh, pretend kill him." Um, that's sixty sixty three thousand dollars. I think it was when I looked it up. I would not pretend kill someone for sixty three. Sixty three thousand. I was like, okay, that's that's a lot. Like, I assume inflation. That's a lot. Uh, but. Uh, Thank you. I would not do it for. Six, I would not. I was like, I would not do that for. 6, I was like, 000. I was like, for six hundred thousand, I would think about it. For six million, I'd do it. <laughs> if anyone listening has six million dollars, and wants, <laughs> I'll, I'll go to jail uh, for like presumed murder for six million dollars because I can live off that once. Well, out. to be fair, the initial you know. deal is no jail. Yes, I know, but like, you don't take that deal without like thinking I could go to jail. Yes. Oh, Dan, the one thing... Because he'd be to... stupid to think that it couldn't possibly go wrong and you might go to jail. Um, I feel... So, one thing I found really interesting is the the court scene in this movie, which is ludicrous. It's so funny. And it's so hilarious. not what I expect from, like, a noir court scene. Because <laughs> um, it's mostly just, like, people watching and enjoying the gossip, including the judge. <laughs> Yes. Uh, as this just like a farcical display happens while also whilst watching like I'm finding out if I'm gonna die or not <laughs> like yes a ph- phoenix right is happening around us <laughs> yes <laughs> um and it's really good I, I just it, I just didn't expect that at all like it's gonna be the serious thing he's gonna realize that uh bass is trying to lose which like is happening but just displayed in such a different way than I could have ever expected from the scene mm-hmm uh, yes, there's the bit where uh, Bannister in, like cross-examines himself, and it's so silly. Everyone is finding it hilarious, except Orson Welles, who's like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it just really gives a portrayal of, like, courtrooms and, by extension, like, the, the justice process. As a bunch of guys who already know each other, mostly dicking around when the fate of other people's lives are in the balance. Yeah. Um. And uh, I, I, yeah, I was like, that's pretty good. Yeah. Awesome, almost did it again. Well done. Yeah. For a guy who never really got to make any movie that he really, like, just completed well after Citizen Kane, he still knocks him out of the park every time. Seriously, <laughs> though. Yeah. It's, I don't know what the fuck Hollywood was thinking, but damn. Yeah. Yeah, I know. 
because I, I know I know that like you know it's FFX all him right like that's when he's, he's doing yeah. it on his own. I think Touch of Evil might be. I don't actually remember. No, Touch of Evil got reconstructed later. They like hit the footage survives oh, okay. and they use his notes to um, uh, God get as close as possible. You know he wasn't alive when they reconstructed it, but he did leave like twenty pages of like cut this to here. This do this is this is this. So he did like leave a document for that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's fucked up. That it's not just like you know forty awesome Wells movies they let him make. Yeah. Uh, ah, forty's too many. He doesn't want to do one thing that much. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Good film. I love it. Yeah. It's so good. That aquarium scene. Oh. It's so good. <laughs> this movie's got great rear projection shots. Oh, boy, it does They're it. just like, they're fake as hell, but in a way that like really just like it, it improves every scene they happen in. Um, I am I, um, watching this movie. I, I kept thinking about the quote he was like when he said no great movies were made in color <laughs> yes uh because you look at this you're like i see why he believes that because damn yeah yeah um anything else or should we go to questions? Go to questions all right if you would like to send us questions you can send them to abnormal mapping podcast at gmail.com they can be about anything not just the movies that we're covering any given week uh the first one's from hilver um what are your opinions on smoking in films and present-day censorship slash aversion to showing smoking on screen? Um, smoking's cool on screen. Yes, it's the coolest thing. It, it's a shame it kills you because it looks really cool. I think smoking in general is cool. I think habitual smoking sucks because it smells bad and it's kind of gross. But, like, man, I'd have a cigarette right now if I could. Shit. Um, it's probably good they censored it because it does look like the coolest thing in the universe. Like, I get, yep. I get that one. Yeah. That's a choice I feel like is probably a good one to make for society. <laughs> Because literally nothing looks as cool as smoking uh, in a film. Exactly. Yep. yep. And it, and vaping just doesn't do it. It's nope. not the same. Not the no. same. Not as satisfying. It's, you you need you need like the the ember of the thing lighting up. You need like the thing burning down. It's all part of a deal. It's a package deal. One hundred percent agreed. Yes. Um, Gary writes in. Uh, was not prepared for Irish Orson Welles before I watched this movie. I ended up being really distracting. Uh, not really because it's bad, just because it fascinated me. What small detail did you latch onto in watching a movie that wasn't supposed to be important at all? Ooh. I have something from this movie. I have two things, uh, but one okay. of them is from this movie. There's a scene where he's like running through somewhere in Central America or what have you, and the song Amado Mio starts playing. And, uh-huh. and so the whole movie, I was like, oh, yeah, Rita Hayworth. Sing- I've seen this movie like three times. Uh, Rita Hayworth must sing it in this. Nope. Nope. She doesn't sing it. And then I realized she sings it in Gilda. So it's like a reference yes. to Gilda in the middle of uh, the lady from Shanghai. And I just appreciated that because old movies don't really do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my other one, uh, it's a handful of little things that happen in the film Harold and Maude that were mistakes that they didn't have the budget to remove. So there's a character who's like slips on a carpet. <laughs> there's a scene where one of the main characters hits himself in the head with a shovel. Um, there's a very famous glitch of the camera at the end of the movie that like makes the ending more impactful. Uh, but the, some of my favorite, oh, I absolutely love those little things. Like they have nothing to do with the film overall, but they just add to the charm so much. Mm-hmm. Um, my answer is uh, is uh, Tyus eating in Too Fast Too Furious. 
<laughs> he is always eating. Which is which is like uh, I Brad Pitt also does this a lot, specifically in like the Oceans movies, just constantly eating. Uh, I love whenever an actor is like, my character's thing is going to be eating whenever they're on screen. I think it's always really funny. Over the TV <laughs> show, uh, I watched where one of the characters had that as his thing, and then like became a vegetarian between seasons one and two, so they just like stopped eating suddenly. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, in... But he was like, I'm eating a burger in literally every scene in the first season for twenty-two weeks in a row. Huh, I like that. I don't have a really good um, answer, um, but uh, the eating one is like a good one. Uh, Autumn writes in, what is the most 70s movie that isn't from the 70s? Saying a movie from 1968 is cheating. I saw this and I started thinking about it. And I was like, I don't, I genuinely don't know. This is so hard. No, I have a TV answer. Oh, wait, what were you going to no, say, what? Jackson? No, I don't, have, I don't have a good, what's your TV answer? Russian Doll. Really? Okay. I don't see it. I just, it feels like it's a 70s thing. I don't know. And then, like, if I'm going to pick a movie, I guess it's going to be Vincent Gallo's Buffalo 66. I fucking hate Vincent Gallo, but Buffalo 66 is a decent movie. Um, my, my first thing that came to mind was Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which is cheating because it's set during the 70s. Yeah, I feel like that's cheating to, to have a movie that is um, in the 70s. I the agree. Answer I came to, the answer I came to immediately after that was Ocean's 12. I like that one. Specifically 12 with all of the like faux Italian European nonsense stuff. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Michael Clayton, but like the, 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 the that's, that's almost cheating to the level. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's cheating. I almost had Michael Clayton. I'm like, ah, uh, that one's t- too easy. I'm gonna I mean, it is very easy. Yeah. Um, Neil writes in, uh, when do you watch a movie with the commentary on? I recently started getting some Blu-ray copies of movies, but I've never been a special features person. Um, I'll go first. I used to watch back, like cover to cover everything on um, the discs I would buy. Um, this was back in the day when there wasn't streaming, but like I learned a lot about movies by watching special features on movies. And I highly recommend it if you just like want to go in. Like there's a lot of low value special features, but you'll quickly get a nose for what's good and what's not. Um, Director commentaries are often very good, um, but you kind of need like a director who's like really like I like to teach people about film, or a director who's totally over it if they're like still early in their career, but not like you know trying to. Te- There's just a lot of like really pat ones that are not very interesting, but um, they're they're worth looking into. Um, and if it's bad, you'll know within 30 minutes. You can just turn it off. Um, but I think commentaries are a great way to get into stuff. And if you're watching, if you know, if you don't want to invest in a bunch of Blu-rays, uh, both Criterion and Arrow's streaming services often have all the special features included, including commentaries. Yeah, the last time I watched a movie's commentary, I watched uh, Paris is Burning with a commentary on the Criterion channel. But it's been a minute. <laughs> we... God, when we loaded up our legally obtained file of the lady from Shanghai, it defaulted to audio track oh, two, Peter which was commentary yes! from Peter. Yes, and we almost watched it that way. Just like, well, let's keep this on; it would be way better. The first thing he begins is like, "When I met Orson Welles, I'm like, oh, I, don't, <laughs> yes. I don't ever want to change from this." Yeah. My, my, yes. it's, like, it's like obviously, I'm gonna watch the movie. It's it's like you know, it's yeah. the first time I watched the lady from Shanghai, but like it. It's the most I've ever been like, I'm oh, oh. We were tempted. <laughs> like, like yeah, we were tempted. Uh yeah. Um, yeah. Any other uh special feature stuff? Uh the Lord of the Rings special features are incredible. That's just like a fucking film school in a box. 
Yes. If you want to go through all those. That's how I feel about most, like, if you watch um, Robert Rodriguez's early stuff, all the special yes. features are, like, yeah. film school. Yeah he, yeah, he just goes. Yeah, they're really good. Um, all right. Uh, I wrote in, <laughs> the lady from Shanghai Picnic from Hell. Recast this as a holodeck misadventure with the characters from a single Star Trek show. Your choice of Star Trek show. Um, I feel, I mean, like, TNG is the obvious one, but that's only because they're all like the best, you know, it's the best ensemble in Star Trek. Um, I like the uh, Enterprise one just because I, I feel like, um, you have, uh, Trip is awesome just being confused, uh, Archer's being evil and like Reed's the other guy being shitty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. I did Voyager. Um, seven mm-hmm. of nine is Elsa. Tom Paris is Michael. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> uh, Janeway is Bannister. Tuvok is Grisby. Broom is Harry Kim. And Kess is Bessie. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I did all, I did all of the T Star Trek where there's a holodeck. <laughs> Because I was like, I'll just pick up whichever and someone doesn't put down, but then I did three of them. I'm just going to read all three if you don't mind. Don't mind at all. TNG. Uh, Elsa is Dr. Crusher. <laughs> uh, Michael is Jordy. Uh, Bannister is Guinan. <laughs> uh, Grisby is Riker. Uh, Broom is Troy. And Bessie is Picard. <laughs> Amazing. Good job. Uh, DS9. Uh, Elsa is Garrick. <laughs> uh, Michael is Esri. Uh, Bannister is uh, O'Brien. Uh, Grisby is Jake just hamming it up. <laughs> uh, Broom is Kira. And uh, Bessie is Bashir doing his best. That's hilarious. Um, and then Voyager. Elsa is Janeway. Uh, Michael is Neelix. Uh, Bannister is Seven of Nine. Uh, Grisby is Bolana. Broom is the Doctor trying very hard to be tough. And uh, Bessie is Tom Paris. <laughs> That's very good. Um, Gary, right? Some of the second one. I uh, recently watched The Player. Um, I was especially enjoyed the opening of the indulgently long single take uh, where a character talks about good old Hollywood for having indulgent single takes, citing Touch of Evil. What is your favorite indulgent choice in a movie? Oh, my favorite. In- indulgent choice, like, ever. That's so hard. Yeah, there's so many. Like, there's so many, and then I can't think of any. Like, the the first one that popped in my mind was just The Fountain. The whole movie. The Fountain. <laughs> Yeah, I, was like, I can't just say the entirety of Lawrence of Arabia, even though I kind of <laughs> believe that as an answer. I really like the um, really just pointless scene in Spring, ba- Spring Breakers when they all sing that Britney Spears song and James Franco is playing the piano. That bit's yeah. pretty good. That's a good one. I mean, for going in this direction, like, you know, you get to talk big key. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, my list, uh, I had the dance sequence in Kung Fu Hustle at the beginning. Um, which is, Kung Fu Hustle is a great movie, but that one of the best movies ever be made. Best yes. yes. Um, 
and I have uh, multiple parts of Kill Bill, but I, I mostly wanted to cite the anime sequence, which really is not necessary at all, but is just the most indulgent thing Tarantino's ever done. Tarantino noted for being indulgent in this way. Yeah. I just I think Kill Bill has the most like stupid indulgent thing that Tarantino's done that I've actually liked. Um, which is? No, I just mean like... Frequency. Oh, the most by volume. By volume. Yes, like, yeah, because sure. you know, because like, when Inglorious Bastards takes twenty fucking minutes to talk about old cinema, I'm like, shut up, get on with the movie. Um, which is not an opinion everyone holds, uh, but is definitely the way I, I went. Um, and obviously, like all of the stuff in the new one is just bad because he chose to be indulgent about the wrong thing. Hmm. Yes. Um. Tron writes in, uh, what's your favorite looking shot in this movie? Aquarium sequence. Okay. Um, that I giant turtle? It's giant really turtle good. So good. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it just might just be um, uh, like some of the picnic stuff when, um, specifically when Harry's like walking along by the like pyres they've got set up and the shadows mm. they have playing there. It just, just looks so good. Oh, the one. Oh, go, oh, on. go ahead. No. Okay, you go first, then uh, the one. The one I think of is actually I like. There's the there's the picnic shots, but there's like a couple shots that are just like intensely like rear projected of like Orson Welles standing on a hill that I think are delightful. Um, and then there's one because he's just lit wrong compared to like the background footage. And then there's one shot where he's on the boat as uh, Grisby pulls up. That's like just a French New Wave shot, but like before the French New Wave, it's like intensely close up on Orson Welles kind of looking off screen like smoking as this little boat pulls up from the background i think is like really good yes there's that scene where like is it elsa who asks for someone to light her cigarette and they go through like three people to light her cigarette oh right yes yeah i really like that shot yeah that's a good one um all right and then uh have any of you been sailing i've never been on a sailing boat i've been on like uh, we went to Niagara Falls when I was a kid, and I was on a boat there. I've been on a couple like speed boats, um, but never like a like a sailing ship or like a cruise ship. Um, but I'd love to. It sounds cool. I've never been on a boat like ever. I've been on like a canoe, or no, no, no. Yeah, I've been in canoes. That's uh, yeah. Yeah, I've done that, but never like anything bigger. I'm kind of afraid mm-hmm. of the ocean, so I don't know how I do on a sailboat. Well, the thing about being on a boat is you don't go into the ocean. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Oh, good. I'm, I've been on a couple of ferries, um, going to the Isle of Wight. Um, and I've been on like a boat for someone's party in the Thames. But um, that's kind of my boat experience, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, what are your thoughts uh, or experiences with uh, fun houses? Uh, Tron cites the Joker ride in Six Flags Fiesta, Texas, uh, which had a bunch of mirrors and the Joker laughing. Which scared Tron as a child. I don't think I've <laughs> I don't think ever I've ever been one. in a funhouse. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, same. I've been I've I've been in like a really th- like thin one. Like it just wasn't very like complicated. That had like a one of those like spinny tunnels and like maybe like a mirror like room. Like, like there's that bit where he walks up that little hill and it looks like a foreshortened hallway. I've seen I've been in one of those. I think they're cool, but I've never been anything like particularly intense. Uh, it sounds fun. Same, yeah. Um, but. Uh, that's it for questions. Again, abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Destiny, I don't know what we're watching next because you wouldn't tell me yesterday. So what are we watching next time? We are watching Safe, the Todd Haynes film starring Julianne Moore. Okay. I don't know shit about this. It's about a woman and an illness. Oh, I thought it was about a safe. <laughs> 
Shut the fuck up. We're done here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Destiny plugs. At Badland Girls, or excuse me, whoops, that's my podcast uh, on Abnormal Mapping. Uh, and at FridgeBuzzNow is my Twitter name. Okay. Uh, Jackson. I'm at off on Twitter.com. You can find the podcast me and I'm do at AbnormalMapping.com. Uh, listen to them. They're very good. You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. You can support all of our podcasts at patreon.com slash normalmapping. For uh, $5 a month, you get Blockbusters once a month, where we watch a classic Hollywood, maybe not classic, but a big Hollywood film and break it down. We're about to do next weekend uh, The Ten Commandments, which is going to be an undertaking, but I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be great. Um, and that should be out next week. So look forward to that for just for Easter. Just not, actually, no, it'll be out in two weeks. We're actually doing it a week early, just in case, because uh, it's really long. Um, but that'll be out in time for Easter. So nobody celebrates Easter, but you know, just in case, yep. <laughs> um, anyway, that's it. We'll be back in two weeks. To talk about safe until then movies now more than ever. Don't expect to like them. <laughs>